How's everybody doing? Amen. Enjoying the fall? It's beautiful, isn't it? You know, man can make some pretty incredible things, bridges and buildings, but I'll tell you what, none of it can hold a candle to what God makes. Even the trees and the mountains and the streams and the leaves, so beautiful. Key into that, amen. There's a lot of ugliness in the world. But focus in on the good things because they'll refresh your soul, amen. Well, we're in the book of Hebrews still. We're going to be in chapter 7 tonight in just a moment. Sister Kim's going to come and read you chapter 7 in its entirety. Again, the writer of Hebrews, who uh, we most likely believe is Paul, although the writer isn't named, begins to talk again about the great high priest we have in Jesus Christ. And he also mentions Melchizedek. You remember when we spoke about Melchizedek, he's this shadowy figure from the Old Testament. Some believe he's in a an epiphany or a a theophany, an an Old Testament appearance of Christ, some believe. You know, we're going to talk about there's other theories about who he is. He's definitely a unique character. He's a high priest, and Jesus is uh, a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And so we're going to look at some of these things. Now, remember, uh, I want to preface this by remembering that Hebrews is written to to the Hebrews. It's deep, isn't it? It's really geared into the Jewish mindset. And I want to tell you something. As a Gentile, it's hard for me to understand why there's so much emphasis on some of the things that the writer is emphasizing here, particularly the high priesthood. I understand the supremacy of Christ, but I'll tell you, this this chapter in particular was hard for a Gentile to untangle. So I want to preface that by saying if there's something you're missing here or you don't quite understand it, you you certainly can ask me later. And if I don't know, we can just have coffee together. I don't know. But, um, you know, some of this really hits home for us and some of it is more for the Jewish mindset. And and maybe we're just not going to get it. And that's okay. It's still important for us to go through it. So, Father, we thank you tonight for the word. We thank you that the gospel is not for one culture. It's not for one race. But God, you, you appeal to the mindset of many, Jew and Gentile, the lost and the saved. Uh, Father, the word does all of that to reach us because you're not willing that any should perish. So Father, enlighten our understanding tonight. Holy Spirit, quicken our, our mind and, and open the eyes of our soul so that we can understand and drink some of these things in, especially the things that are important for us. Father, tonight, I ask that you do that. And we thank you in advance for all the treasures you've tucked in here in Hebrews chapter 7 for us, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So Sister Kim. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth of all the spoils, was first of all, by the translation of his name, King of Righteousness, and then also King of Salem, which is King of Peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, he abides a priest perpetually. Now observe how great this man was, to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the choicest spoils. And those indeed of the sons of Levi who received the priest's office have commandment in the law to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their brethren, 
although these are all descended from Abraham. But the one whose genealogy is not traced from them collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed the one who had the promises. But without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. And in this case, mortal men receive tithes. But in that case, one receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives on. And so to speak, through Abraham, even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Now if perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be designated according to the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed of necessity, there takes, a, there takes place a change of law also. For the one concerning whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe, from whom no one has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, a tribe with reference to which Moses spoke nothing concerning priests. And if this is clearer still, if another priest arises, according to the likeliness of Melchizedek, who has become such not on the basis of a law, of physical requirement, but according to the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him, thou art a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, there is a setting aside of a former commandment because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. And on the other hand, there is bringing in of a better hope, through which we draw near to God. And inasmuch as it was not without an oath, for they indeed became priests without an oath, but he with an oath through the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn, and it will not change his mind. Thou art a priest forever. So much the more also Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Verse 23, And the former priests on the one hand existed in greater numbers, because they were prevented by death from continuing, but he, on the other hand, because he abides forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Hence also he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those high priests, to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, because this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak, but the word of the oath, which came after the law, appoints a son made perfect forever. Nope. Told you it was rough. Now remember, to the Jewish mindset, having a high priest is both something they could totally relate to and something that was very significant. The high priest represented the people before God. He represented the tribes before God. So the, the Israelites' connection to God through the Mosaic Law Covenant was through the priests, and, and they understood that very readily. To, uh, to us as Gentiles, like it's almost like we don't care. We're just thankful for Jesus, amen? All of that cultural understanding and um, the Mosaic Law Covenant, we're, that's not in our wheelhouse at all. Can anyone say amen? 
Anybody want to reinstitute the sacrificial system? You want to show up to church with lambs and bulls and no? No, to us it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for us to relate to, but there are some treasures in here for us to understand because remember, this book is proving the supremacy of Christ in every way. To the Jewish mindset, so they'll leave the cultures and customs and the law behind for Christ and for the Gentile to realize what an incredible gift we have in Jesus, amen? So verse 1 again mentions Melchizedek, and, you know, there are many theories about who he is. At the end of the day, we don't know who he is for sure because the Bible doesn't say who he is for sure. It gives us a lot of clues, and it gives us a lot of insight, and I'm going to cover some of them today. We can speculate, but we can't say definitively. And understand, if God doesn't reveal something to us definitively, it meant that it's not that important that we know. Hello? People like to fight about these things and argue about these things. I mean, Melchizedek, there are whole people groups that start religions and cults and say we're the, of the descendants. I mean, there's crazy stuff if you, if you track some of this and realize how people will take something that we can't know for certain and build a whole religion around it. More like a cult, but there's, there's those things out there. Yeah, Christians argue about things that we don't know the answer to, and they divide the body of Christ over those things. This isn't even in my notes. This is just free stuff, okay? Um, so understand, if God didn't tell us clearly, it meant that it's not that important that we should know. So Melchizedek is mentioned. We don't know exactly who he is. Some say he's an angel. Some say he's the Holy Spirit. Some say he's a Christophany, Christ himself, appearing in bodily form in the Old Testament. Uh, the Jewish scholars, uh, they, they say he, he's Noah's son, Shem, which I don't understand how in the world, when you see the attributes of Melchizedek, how they get that. But, you know, there's a lot of theories out there. So let's just agree that we can't know for sure, and it's not that important. Someone say amen. Abraham is returning from the slaughter of the kings. Great victory here. Melchizedek blesses him. Verse 2 tells us that Abraham, the patriarch, the, the father of the nation of Israel, gives a tithe of the spoils from the, the conquering of the kings here. He gives a tenth of the choicest spoils to Melchizedek. Okay, now, that's significant in, in several ways. I Remember I told you that uh, people say, well, you know, we don't have to tithe in the New Testament, and, you know, that's Old Testament, and, and, and that's the law, and it's legalism. Well, here's an example of tithing that occurred before the law was given. Abraham gave a tenth because it's a godly principle, not because the Mosaic Covenant hadn't even been given yet. Do you understand that? This is before Moses. So people say tithe is Old Testament and it's law. Well, it's before the law. So understand tithing is a good principle. In the New Testament, we don't just tithe. The New Testament teaches giving. That's a whole other sermon, but it's more than the tithe. If we as Christians just go, well, I gave my tenth, so God, you got to bless everything. No, it's more than that. I, I got to give my time and my talent. Really, in the New Testament, it's not just, you know, that tenth that allows the 90% to be blessed. You and I have to lay down our lives, take up our crosses every day and follow him. Or Jesus says, you're not worthy of me. And I mean, understand here, there's some significant things happening as Abraham gives Melchizedek a tenth of the spoils. This, the latter half of uh, verse 2 tells us that Melchizedek's name translates to king of righteousness and king of Salem. Now, king of Salem means king of peace. It's kind of like prince of peace, if you want to go down that road a little bit. So he is the king of peace. He's the king of righteousness. 
And there again, these things point to a Christophany because those are attributes of Jesus. Uh, Verse 3 gives us some stunning details about Melchizedek that prove he's not just a mere mortal. Listen to what it says about him. He's without father and without mother. Say what? No mama, no daddy? He's without genealogy. Come again. Look at that. That's powerful. Having neither beginning of days nor end of life. That's divine attributes right there. Okay? But being made like the Son of God, he remains a priest perpetually. Now, some might look at that and say being made like the Son of God, implying that he is the Son of God. These are some interesting attributes that are given here. Uh, Verse 4 shows us whoever, uh, you know, uh, Melchizedek was, he was revered and honored greatly by Abraham. And that's an important thing for us to know. There's no one greater than Abraham here. He's the father of, you know, the people of God. It says, now observe how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the choicest spoils. So that act alone of him giving a tithe to Melchizedek Show and the attributes we just talked about, you know, make most of us lean toward the fact that, that it's either Christ Himself or the Holy Spirit. There are divine attributes there. The next few verses continue to point in that direction. There again, we can't know for sure, but it's okay for us to look at the text and speculate here. This guy is not just a human being, he's not just an average guy. All of us got a mommy and daddy, amen. All of us have a beginning and an end, and this guy doesn't. Um, So he is honored by Abraham, and Abraham doesn't even protest. He honors him. Uh, We're going to look at that in a little bit. Verse 5, the Levitical priests received tithes from the people, their brethren, in accordance with the law of Moses. So, you know, it makes the point here. And those indeed, the sons of Levi, who received the priest's office, have commanded in the law to collect the tenth from the people. So realize the priest collected the tithe from the people. And that's important that, to understand that, you know, a, a person always tithes to one greater than themselves. When you bring your giving to the Lord here, you are not bringing it to me. You know, oh, we're giving this to the church. We're giving it to the pastors. We get, no, the tithe belongs to the Lord. Hello? Don't ever think you're giving to a person. You don't give to a pastor. You don't give to a ministry. When you bring your giving to the Lord, that belongs to the Lord. I've heard ministers say things like, well, you know, really the, I, 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 this one person said, you know, really the, the, the tithe belongs to me because I'm the pastor. And I just thought, wow, how corrupt. The Bible says it belongs to the Lord. I mean, I've been around the block a little bit. Maybe you're naive and never encountered such things and good for you because it's kind of ugly. But our giving is not for our ministry. It's not for a man. You always tithe to someone greater than yourself. And the tithe belongs to the Lord. So the fact that, you know, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek shows that he saw Melchizedek as greater than himself and made no protest over the fact that he would tithe to him. The Levitical priest just collected the tithe from the people because it was the law. But the people didn't tithe to the priests themselves. Although they got a portion of the food that they could live on and eat, the tithe belonged to the Lord. Uh, With Melchizedek, it was definitely different. Um, The tithe was given right to him. So Abraham was actually tithing to Melchizedek, and that's a big difference between the way the children of Israel tithed to the priest in accordance with the law. Uh, His genealogy was not from 
Aaron. Remember, he has no genealogy, so he's not from Aaron. Why is that significant? Because Aaron was the first priest that God hand-selected, and the Aaronic priesthood was a lineage that was passed down. The tribe of Levi, the priests were taken from there. So uh, again, the writer of Hebrews making the point that this guy is not of uh, any kind of genealogy of human bloodline or human distinction. He's different. And the attributes that are cited there suggest divinity. Verse 3, he had no genealogy, no beginning or no end. And those sound like divine attributes to me. So verse 7 makes the point we just mentioned that uh, the lesser Abraham tithed to Melchizedek who blessed him. Remember, if you're going to get a blessing from somebody, it's got to be a blessing from someone above you. Amen? And so we seek to be blessed by who? Say it, it starts with a G and ends with an odd. We, we want God to bless us, amen? You know, in the world, people want other people. I want my boss to bless me. I want my neighbor to bless me. You want people to bless you. There's a, there's a part and parcel where, you know, as fathers, we bless our family, we bless our children, the blessing that we give in church. Kim says, please rise for the blessing. And that's appropriate. But really, the blessing that we need in our lives is from the Lord. And... Melchizedek blessed Abraham, and at, at, at that point, there was no one greater than Abraham, but here's Melchizedek because, you know, let everyone be subject to higher powers, and there, there he is being blessed of him, a man without genealogy. So uh, the lesser is blessed by the greater, and that's important for us to see. Jesus says something very interesting to the religious agitators that he sparred with in the New Testament in John 8. Uh, verses 56 through 59. Just write that down, John 8, 56 through 59. This is what Jesus says about Abraham to, you know, these religious agitators, Pharisees and Sadducees. He says this, they all reveled in the fact that Abraham was their father. That was their big claim to fame. They were a bunch of devils. They didn't have the right heart, but Abraham was their father. So, you know, they were resting on that. This is Jesus's response. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So Jesus is saying that Abraham saw him. Catching this? Listen to verse 57. So the Jews said to him, you are not even 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. That will make their phylacteries go back. If you're, not, if you're not picking this up, man, that was some statement right there. I am is God. And he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. When? Well, obviously, Abraham had an encounter with Jesus. Remember at the transfiguration, who showed up? Abraham was one of them that showed up, right? And Abraham knew Jesus. How is this possible unless he had interaction with him? So there's some more clues there. Before Abraham was, I am. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him because Jesus hid himself in the temple. So they realized what he was saying, and he makes this point here. I had interaction with Abraham. Could it be that Melchizedek, the Christophany of the Old Testament, was in fact Christ having interaction with Abraham? There again, we don't know for sure, but it sure is fun to speculate, isn't it? Clues from the New and the Old Testament. Uh, Verse 8 through 10 show more differences between the Levitical priests and Melchizedek. So the the reason that the writer of Hebrews is going through the arduous 
details here and kind of just making point after point after point, which is something that Paul did in his writings. Uh, He is trying to show that Jesus is superior, Jesus' priestly line is not of man, and that uh, Christ is superior to all the Old Testament cultures and customs, and even including the law. The priests, the Levite priests were mortal, uh, and Melchizedek was immortal. He didn't have a beginning or an end. The, Lev- the Levite priests pray- paid tithes for themselves. They had to give offerings for themselves. Why? Because they had their own sin. They had to pay tithes for themselves. Why? Because that was part of following the law. Uh, the Levite priests were born, they lived, and they died, and, and Melchizedek is a high priest forever. So there again, more distinctions. And I know you know, over and over again, some of the same points are being made here. But w- when God's word says something more than once, we probably should pay attention to it. Amen. I don't know about you, but when when I was a, a youngster, if my parents had to say things two and three times, I would start to clue in on the fact that I better do this or I might not live. Verse 11, the bottom line for all those Jewish converts who are struggling with leaving behind the laws and the customs and the traditions for Christ alone is this, that the Levitical priesthood was imperfect and it left a vacuum for a better high priest. So listen to verse 11. Now, if perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it, the people received the law, what further need was there for another priesthood to arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be designated according to the order of Aaron? So the, the fact that the Levitical priesthood was imperfect is, is leaving room for a better high priest with a better covenant. Amen? Aren't you thankful today that we have a new and better covenant? That Jesus did it once and for all? Amen? that you and I don't have to show up with lambs and rams and bulls and doves and like, here he comes again. He must have sinned all week. Look at him. Here he comes. Could you imagine showing up at the, you know, the synagogue and the the priest like, you again. Because you had to, you sinned, you had to offer. We have a new and better covenant, amen. And we can leave behind these things. So the fact that the, 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 Aaronic priesthood and the Levitical priesthood was imperfect, left the, the vacuum for a new high priest and, and a, a rescinding of the law in a sense. Now, verse 12, if the priestly line changes, then the, the law must change. And the writer of Hebrews is appealing to them to accept the, the replacement as something better. And that's a, a point that he's making here. Verse 13 makes the point that the eternal priesthood of Melchizedek is not represented at the altar because there is no tribe of Melchizedek. So there again, the Jews knew that the priest would make offerings for all the tribes of Israel. There, there's one, every, uh, one of the 12 tribes was represented at the altar and sacrifices were made for them. Now, there is no tribe of Melchizedek. So there's no offering made for sin, which is interesting because Jesus didn't have any and didn't need to make an offering for his sin. You see, when you begin to dig through this stuff, you're going to find things fall into place and they make sense. But you got to dig to find these things. Uh, There is no tribe of Melchizedek because Jesus is not of the Levitical priesthood. He's of a divine priesthood, uh, a high priest forever. Verse 14 through 16 It's obvious Jesus was uh, a descendant of the tribe of Judah. You know, he was a descendant of who? David. 
and David was from the tribe of Judah. So King David, the patriarch, is in the bloodline of Christ, and we understand that, and the Jews certainly understood it. It's also obvious that Jesus' priesthood is not temporary, but eternal through Melchizedek. So he's making the point there. Everything Jesus has done is like unlike anything that man has ever done, including the priests. Because everything that the priests did was temporary, but everything that Jesus has done is permanent. Jesus doesn't need to be re-crucified. He doesn't need to be, you know, uh, perpetually offered. No, he did it once for all, amen? There's no human priest that could do that. They had to constantly make offering for the sins of the people, for their own sins, and, and they would, you know, they constantly had to bring these things to the altar to just kind of put a Band-Aid over these things. What Jesus has done is unlike any other high priest. That's what makes him superior. It's one and done. It's once and for all. It is finished, he said on the cross. And he wasn't kidding. Calvary's cross, the blood of the lamb, the new and everlasting covenant all have no expiration date, amen? Verse 16b, but according to the power of an indestructible life, that's Jesus, no beginning, no end, he's eternal, he is not gonna uh, fade or fizzle out, but it's once and for all. Uh, Verse 17, again, the thrust of the writer of Hebrews is showing uh, Jesus, the high priest, is a priest forever. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So really driving the point home here for the listener to realize that, you know, you guys can leave behind your law and you can leave behind your religion and you can leave behind your tradition and you can embrace Jesus and he's more than enough to replace all of those things. Verse 18 and 19 are interesting here. we take a look at them. For on the one hand, there is a setting aside of a former command because of its weakness and uselessness. So he's talking about the law. The law has been eclipsed. Uh, you know, it, it is, there's a new covenant now. Verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect. Did you hear that? It's very important. And on the other hand, there is a bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. So Uh, Some powerful statements made there. The legalistic things must be set aside, and that's for the Jews and the Gentiles, amen? We don't approach God through rules. We don't approach God through legalism. The legalistic things must be set aside. Why? Because they're useless. By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. That's useless. The law had its place and served its purpose, and it still has a role now. The role of the law now is not to justify man before God. The role of the law, the the commandments, is to bring the sinner to the knowledge of sin. That's the role of the law right now. Jesus said not one jot or tittle, not one mark of punctuation will pass away from the law until heaven and earth passes away. No, the law still stands, but its function now is different when it functioned under the Mosaic Covenant. Now all it does is, look, if you and I try to keep the Ten Commandments, right away we realize it's hopeless. I'm a sinning sinner, sinning as fast as I sinningly can. Do it. Wake up tomorrow, read the commandments, and then try and keep them. It's an exercise in futility. All the law does now is bring us to our knees and say, God, I am a sinner. And God says, well, I got a Savior for you. And his name is Jesus. And he's a better high priest, and it's a better covenant 
because he did all the heavy lifting by shedding his blood on the cross. You don't have to earn it by work. So these legalistic things that we cling on to, that the Jews clinged on to, that some of us Gentiles go back to, they're useless and they have to be put away. Now, 18 and 19 are a stunning blow to those who revere the law. The law was weak. It had become useless. It's only function to bring the knowledge of sin. And look what the text says. It never made anything perfect. Even those who followed it the closest. I was reading about, you know, John the Baptist's parents there, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And it says that they, they kept the law and were blameless before God which means, you know, they did a pretty good job, but they were still sinners that needed to be saved. So even the people who kept it the best didn't come close to being perfect. The law made nothing perfect. What's its track record? Nothing perfect. Yet the blood of Jesus makes the sinner a saint every time. It brings perfection. Come on. You need to rejoice in that today. When God looks at you and you're under the blood and you're in Christ, he doesn't see blemishes and this and he'll cover that up and, oh, you need to make an offering for that. You need to try better. He sees Christ and it's perfection. He doesn't look at Rick and see this flawed mess of a person. No, he sees Christ. Man, I wish there were some Christians in here, amen? Anybody happy to be saved? Woo! I'm so glad I'm not a mess in God's sight anymore, that he can bless me and call me a son. Awesome. This totally pulls a rug out from under any person who tries to approach God through works, to please him through doing good things. Oh, I just, I did this good thing and I did this good work and God, now can we be friends and now do you accept me? And, you know, understand that through the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. God doesn't grade on a curve. Well, you know, everybody's bad, but you're a little better. You know, you, 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 you did a little bit. So I'm gonna be friends with you. A sinner's a sinner. If we broke the law, if we broke one commandment, we've broken them all the scripture teaches. Well, I never did adultery, and I never murdered anybody, and I never did this, and I never did that. But, but I broke these three three times in three minutes today. <laughs> I wish there were other sinners here. So the legalistic stuff has got to go. You know, and this, again, pulls the rug out from anyone who wants to please God through works. He, he, he's not looking for us to perform for him. He's not looking for us to, you know, try, you know, try and clean ourselves off. That's why he sent Christ. And I know you know that, but we need to hear it over and over again, amen, because we get sucked into this stuff, and we wake up some days and we think, God's mad at me today. I didn't do good yesterday, and I really got to try a little extra hard today. Man, that's just wasting your time. When we sin, we confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin, amen? That's the remedy. So verse 20 through 21 mentions a priesthood without an oath and the fact that the Lord has sworn an oath to never change his mind about Jesus' high priesthood. So it says here, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This is good news for us. You might think, well, what does this have to do with anything? Because God is not a man that he should lie, the word says. So when he says, it's forever, and I'm not changing my mind. That means we're not going to wake up one day and Jesus goes, I quit. God says, no, I'm done. I'm changing the rule set. Think about that. He could do that, but he swore an oath that he never would. Why? 
to give us peace and comfort to know that we can trust him, amen? That he's not a man that he should lie. That's important. Uh, Everything around us will fail us. Everyone we put our trust in can let us down. But God will never fail us. He'll never lie. He'll never change the rules. He'll never abandon us. His word comforts us over and over again with the fact that we can put our trust in him. Verse 22, because of all these things and the oath God swore himself, Jesus becomes man's guarantee of eternal access to a better covenant. Listen to verse 22. So much more also, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Man, you know, there's a lot of guarantees you can't put much stock in, amen? I bought stuff that had a lifetime guarantee, and then the company went out of business. You believe that? How is that possible? When Jesus gives a guarantee, when God gives a guarantee, you can take that to the bank forever. He has sworn he will not change his mind. He gives us that eternal guarantee. Man's guarantees are not worth too much. Uh, This is why Jesus is the only way and that all roads don't lead to God because he's the only one who gave a guarantee. He's the only one that died in our place. He's the only one who rose on the third day. He's the only one that sits at the right hand of the Father and makes intercession for us, amen? No one else did that. No one else even claimed to do that. Verse 23 through 25, there were many Levitical priests, and uh, that's an interesting point that's made here. Listen to this. The former priests, on the one hand, existed in great number. So the word saying, you know, these Levites and, you know, the Aaronic line and all that stuff, there were thousands of them, thousands and thousands, probably millions, you know, the, these priests that functioned, and, the, and there were so many of them, and they were prevented what from functioning further by death from continuing, verse 24. But Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save forever. Come on, that's my Jesus. Those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So there again, showing the supremacy of Christ. There's no one like Jesus. He, he lives to save forever. Salvation is always in his hand, amen. He he doesn't run out of it. The blood of Jesus doesn't lose its potency. No, he is of the order of Melchizedek, an eternal high priest with salvation forever in his hands. For, you know, he could save forever. What a concept that is to meditate on. You know, who does he save? Those who draw near to him. So there again, you know, Jesus died for the sins of the world, but is everybody saved? Is everybody going to go to heaven? The Bible says broad is the way and wide is the gate that leads to destruction and many that go that way. The majority of of mankind, of humanity, will reject Christ and take the wide road. But narrow is the way that, you know, and and narrow is the gate that leads to salvation. Why? Because there's only one way and his name is Jesus. And don't let anyone deceive you. There's no other way. That's just the broad way. Because only he has salvation forever to offer because he's the only one who died and rose and paid the price on our behalf. So he saves those that draw near to him. And he saves those uh, who come to him and cry out to him and receive him as Savior and Lord. He, he makes intercession 
for us. Look at that. That's a powerful thing there. He always lives. Remember, he's eternal. He's our high priest. What is a high priest? They, they, they broker salvation for the people. They, they minister before God for the people. So he makes intercession for them. That's what Jesus is doing right now with all the things that we're going through, with all the rough patches we have, with all the detours we take. He's praying for us. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. You know, when he's not praying for us, he's building mansions for us. Hello? I go to prepare a place for you, he said. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. No shacks in heaven. So he's making intercession. He's there for those who cry out to him, who draw near to him. And he has the power of salvation in his hands forever. Verse 26 through 27, Jesus is the perfect high priest. Listen to this. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest. Not that we deserved it, but this is what we needed. Listen, a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. That's the priest we needed. If a man died on the cross for us, we'd still be lost. But because God sent his only begotten who never sinned, who became sin for us, who broke the power of sin through his righteous offering. Wow, heaven is wide open, the veil is torn in tomb, and salvation is available. And this is who he is. He's holy, he's innocent, he's undefiled, he's separated from sinners, and he's exalted above the heavens, and he loves us, and he has salvation in his hands. Who does not need daily, like those high priests, remember, showing the supremacy of Christ, to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people because he did once for all when he offered up himself. So no sins to account for. Jesus was perfect and sinless. Verse 28, for the law appoints men as high priests who are weak, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints a son made perfect forever. So the priests through the Levitical line, through Aaron's line, did their job, but they were weak. Why? Because they were sinful men themselves. Jesus has no sin, so he has no weakness. He's appointed by oath of God the Father forever, and unlike the law, which has never made anything perfect, the blood of Jesus makes sinners saints when they come to him. Amen? Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, we just thank you tonight for this chapter. And though we're Gentiles and we're just glad to be saved, Lord, we thank you for revealing to us the intricacies of how you appeal to those who have come out from under the law covenant. Father, we are so thankful that we are under the grace covenant. Help us not to revert back to the law. How foolish for Gentiles to try and practice the law and go into legalism and try and earn your favor through good works when we've never even been under that covenant. The foolishness of going by that. Father, let us be 100% committed to the fact that we are saved uh, through the grace of God, through the blood of the Lamb. By faith we receive it. We don't earn it by works. And let us rest in the fact that you did all the hard work and we just have to be thankful to be your sons and daughters and to serve you by laying our lives down. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for chapter 7. And thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give him praise tonight.